Joined by Brian Gregg from Just Equal, who joins us from Bustleton in WA. Brian, welcome back to the show. Thank you, James, and hello to your listeners. Brian, it's been a big week. There's been lots of talk that the ALP might be timid on all kinds of progressive law reforms, including LGBTIQA plus law reform, as a result of the referendum result. What are your thoughts on that? It's hard to really ascertain how much more timid they could already be, certainly when it comes to our own LGBTIQA plus issues. Uh, They've been timid to the point of pathetic on the census. Uh, Albanese has commissioned the Law Reform Commission to produce his report on state schools, and that's been kicked into the long grass. Uh, And there's no sign of any particular legislative reform coming from the Commonwealth. Uh, So it's all pretty grim. What are your thoughts on the government being timid because of the campaigning techniques used by the No campaign and how that kind of, you know, I guess divisiveness could be could be used as a technique against the government? So this narrative seems to be building that we need to be cautious as a government, not take risks and just, you know, take care of what is seen as kind of mainstream bread and butter issues. I think for me one of the big takeouts from the defeat of the voice referendum, James, was the incredible extent to which uh, social media, using memes and messages of conspiracy, was so successful in scaring and frightening people. I mean, we're all used to scare campaigns, particularly around these sorts of issues, but we live in a new era. We're in the post-COVID era where I think during the COVID period, the two-year period where so many people were locked down and living their lives online, we saw the emergence of a whole new politic, uh, which we're seeing sharply reflected in the US, of conspiracy theories of all kinds, which all seem to blend together and which are all in some ways very anti-government and anti-trustworthy of politicians. And I think where, where the government failed, particularly with the voice referendum, is that they didn't see that coming. They, they weren't ready and weren't prepared for the extraordinary and effective no campaign built around misinformation and the way that it utilises social media. And I suspect we're going to see a lot more of that, particularly on the issues that impact LGBTI people. It's interesting, isn't it? So in some ways, not that, you know, the referendum result was a good thing, but in some ways it's given the government a heads up as to what's a sign of things to come for the next election campaign. Well, I'd like to think so, um, but how they respond to that is another matter. But my fear is, and I'm not the only person saying this, is that having taken a, a thumping over the, the putting so much political capital into the voice referendum, I think the government is now very keen to return to bread and butter issues, uh, the so-called uh, cost of living crisis and the focus on the economy. Um, and they will do that, and that means basically abandoning or walking away from any kind of social policy and certainly not touching any culture wars with a barge pole. So I wonder what that means, for example, for Albanese's promised religious discrimination bill, uh, which is a, a remodel, a remake of the Morrison bill, which Albanese has previously promised, um, but may need to now abandon if it's going to spark another culture war at a time when Australians are saying, hey, Focus on the economy. Do you think, in some ways, the uh, the referendum results being manipulated by the right um, to kind of you know 
give this impression that it's kind of, you know, symbolic of the new Australian politic, where in actual fact, referendums usually fail. Um, Australians are resistant to changing the constitution. Uh, and it was a very, you know, particular issue that doesn't necessarily translate to people changing their vote from Labor to, to, to Liberal. I think that there's this truth in that, James. And, I mean... Uh, Senator Jacinda Price, who played a very powerful, very iconic role as an Aboriginal woman campaigning against the voice, has made it very clear that her next target will be LGBTI people. She said at a conference recently she wants to go after radical gender ideology and to uh, stop kids being given hormone treatment. This kind of politic and rhetoric is straight from the US. Uh, it's, it's straight from the ultra-conservative bodies peppered around Australia who who have now found someone that they can coalesce around in a way that they've never had before. Uh, and I think we're going to see the, the broad base of the No campaign is now going to circle around its other issues. Um, and that means our community is going to be right in the middle of the target. Yes, I was listening to Jacinta Price's speech on referendum night and it was very Trumpian and I kind of got the sense that she was, you know, in some ways using this referendum as kind of like, you know, a vehicle to push those Trumpian politics. Yeah, I do think she sees um, this as an avenue, as a vehicle to kind of push this stuff. I mean, we've had a number of of MPs and senators in Australia try to do this previously. We, We saw former Senator Cory Bernardi try and establish his own political party. Uh, you know, we've tried to see various people from the Australian Christian lobby, including Lyle Shelton, try to push this stuff and fail. And there have been others. Um, and then suddenly along comes rising star Jacinta Price, uh, you know, an Aboriginal woman who speaks with what seems to be a contrary voice to what her community has broadly spoken on in the past. Um, and this has been like a lightning rod for Conservatives looking for someone to to front and progress the stuff that they've been unsuccessful to do, but which perhaps she now offers an opportunity for. Last time we spoke, you talked about how ugly things would get, you know, as the referendum campaign progressed. And now that it's over... Things seem to be getting uglier with um, Peter Dutton and that stunt to have a royal commission into abuse towards children in remote communities. Uh, what do you make of that ugliness? I'm not surprised, and this is all just part of the fallout, part of the collateral. Uh, from that, I think many Conservatives have been envied. Um, they've, they've been excited by what happened. I think they were fairly confident of defeating the referendum because there was no bipartisan support and history tells us where that doesn't exist, they fail. But I think that's what surprised even them was how successful they were. Some of the, the swings for the no vote were significant around around the country, but there were only a handful of seats, not states, but seats that voted yes. Interestingly, I see this as a kind of reverse of the marriage equality postal survey. The the overall national result was pretty much the same, you know, 62, 63 to, to 38, only in reverse. So in 2017, when we had the postal surveys, 62% of people said yes. And in this, uh, this time around, the same number of people effectively said no. I'm not quite sure what that tells us, but in part what it tells us, I think, is the importance of having a long game plan of education and advocacy before you put the question. 
also the, the postal survey on same-sex marriage back in 2017 took place after a long community discussion where everything was settled, whereas the voice question caught a lot of people by surprise, and because they didn't understand it or the need for it, they tended to vote no. Brian Gregg, always great to get your insights on 3CR. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks, guys. 3CR.